Thank you for joining the Zen Care Podcast. These recorded Dharma talks are given freely to our community in the heart of New York City, which we are honored to now share with you. New York Zen Center for Contemplative Care is dedicated to transforming the nature of care through contemplative practice by meeting illness, aging, and death with compassion and wisdom. Learn about us at zencare.org. So good evening, everyone. It was so amazing. We just came back from Mexico. And some person came up to me on the street and said, Oh, are you, you might, you're Goshen. <laughs> yes. <coughs> so far. <laughs> She said, thank you for all of those talks. I live down here in Mexico in the jungle. And I listen to the talks that you give at your center. And I love hearing all the sounds of the city. And they're so helpful to me. It's so amazing to remember those kind of moments that we think that what our life is about is what we think it's about. And we think our impact is just about what we think it is. But so rarely do we consider how we walk down the street or how we participate and how that ripples out everywhere. I know for me, it's incredibly nourishing to be here and hear each of you and in particular to hear, I'm feeling sad and shaky. I'm feeling this and I'm feeling that. To remember that we're never just one thing. We're never just one feeling, one identity, or even one person. We have so many aspects. And to me, the beauty of the practice is to remember that. It's not about the story you concoct about what your practice is, but it's about being alive and learning how to keep shifting, 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 shifting. It's so easy to make a whole narrative and live a life of that. Probably no one here has to practice that. In the Book of Equanimity, one of the koan collections that is part of our curriculum here, is called The Iron Grinder's Old Cow. One of my favorites. In the preface to this koan, it says, With splendid noses, each one is endowed with a powerful appearance. (laughs) With firm, real footsteps, who needs to learn grandma Zen? Penetrate the activity of the ungraspable nose. 
and you will see the method of the true adept. Tell me, who is such a person? <coughs> what is this ungraspable nose? <coughs> What would it be like to see that when you look in the mirror? <coughs> when you look in the mirror, Joko, to consider that even your appearance is ungraspable. What you actually see is not the whole story. Who you think you are is not who you are. What you think your practice is, is not what your practice is. Any idea of ourself is not who we are. In the case, it starts as all of them do, and it says, attention. Pay attention. Iron Grinder Lu arrived at Kui Shan's place. And when she came in, Kui Shan said, Old cow, so you've come. The grinder said, Tomorrow there's a great communal feast on Taishan Mountain. Are you going to go, teacher? Kweishan relaxed his body and lay down. The iron grinder turned and left. And that's the end of the call. <laughs> I love the iron grinder. She's one of the few women in the Kahn collections who's named and celebrated. Her actual name was Lutemo, but she was most famous for known as the grinder because she was so serious about her practice that she ground it all up. So this idea of even like what you see in your mirror, what you think is your own face, she was not satisfied with that. And she loved her teacher so much that she moved and built a little hut right outside her, his monastery. Because at that time, the monasteries were only for men. And she was like, so what? <laughs> she didn't make a thing about it. She just said, all right, I'll just build my hut here. And she went and studied with her teacher every day, having these brief encounters. I just love that tenacity. No matter what, she was just right there always showing up, 
grinding it out. The iron grinder. Imagine such a thing. Something that could grind up even iron. Such was her dedication to her practice. How many of us could say such a thing? Some people called her Grindstone Lou. In the Blue Cliff record, the, the compiler of it, Hoi Tzu, he said about her, the nine iron grinder was like a stone struck spark, like a lightning flash. Hesitate and you lose your body around her. And you lose your life. She studied for a long time, and her active edge was sharp and dangerous. This mountain, Kweishan, is over 600 miles from where they were, this feast that they were talking about. So what was she really asking of her teacher? When she said, there's a feast tomorrow, 600 miles away. Are you going to go, teacher? So it's not just an ordinary question, of course. And it was before there were planes, of course. <laughs> What was her meaning? What is she asking? Are you going to be where you're not tomorrow? Hmm. How many of us are clear about how we're going to practice going forward? And with what? What kind of heart do you want to bring? What kind of love do you want to bring to your practice? What kind of tenacity will you bring? To me, it's one of the few things that we rarely understand, that we must bring our fullness in the most ordinary way to everything we do. And when we hold back, then we think we have a nose. Iron Grindstone Lou was one of those amazing practitioners who most monks and practitioners were scared of because she would challenge everybody. I like this kind of person. 
She really wanted people to be very clear about what their practice was. Imagine her in the Sangha. Here she comes, the grinder. And yet we all have her inside of us as well. In one commentary about this koan, it says, grinding oats is one thing. Grinding iron is another. (laughs) So I think about our practice and about what we're willing to grind up. Are we going to do what's easy? Just a little bit, make a little effort. Or do we kind of grind it up? To me, the heart of Zen practice is really learning how to grind it all up. Not stay with just what you think you see in the mirror as truth. Not staying with what you have in your, our little brains, and we think that that's what's true. But what else is there? Where is the freshness? I know for me, if it's not, it's not usually what I think it is. It is also said that the grinder would never visit her teacher innocently. She was mischievous and liking to really meet her teacher person to person. She loved him and was brave enough to challenge. So when Isan says, you know, Kweshan says, old cow, so you've come. He knows what's coming. He's not saying it in a way of insult. Old cow is really referencing the buffalo of the ox herding pictures of someone of the way. So it's a very intimate greeting with some humor. In the Lankavatara Sutra, a person named Mahamati asked the Buddha, please tell us how many kinds of disciples are there? How many kinds of practitioners are there? And the Buddha said, there are many 
kinds of disciples as there are individuals. But for convenience, they can really be divided up into two groups. Disciples of the lineage of Arhats and the disciples known as Bodhisattvas. In our tradition here, we kind of favor the Bodhisattva path. The Arhats are really people who are practicing for themselves. The bodhisattvas are the ones who are practicing to wake everybody up of service, of love and care, you could say. The grinder's teacher often actually referred to himself often as a cow and sometimes as a buffalo. So it was a way when he was greeting her, was saying, we're the same. You're a cow, I'm a cow. You're a buffalo, I'm a buffalo. You're an ox, me too. To me, it's like the beauty of what it means to have that relationship. How do you practice? Are you willing to really grind it up? Are you willing to grind up a little bit? Or how much do you really want to give to your practice? Or allow to practice to enter you? As the wonderful teacher Ajahn Chah said, if you want a little liberation, you give a little. If you want total liberation, give everything. To me, this is the same spirit of the iron grinder. It's so clear. And for some reason, we think it's so confusing. People often ask me, well, how do I practice? How should I practice? Well, if you want to practice a little bit, practice a little bit. If you want to totally practice, totally practice. Many ways to practice. Not really that mysterious. It's so funny how people get so confused about it. People ask me all the time. How should I practice? How do you want to live? I sometimes ask back. (coughs) 
I love that she challenged her teacher. And what's that? What is what about his response of laying down? What's he showing? Are you going to be going to that feast a million miles away? Just lays back and has a good time. He's already there. There is no place you are not. This is the view of the universal mind. So when we're caught in our little mind, we're not allowing for the joy of the universal mind, which is not our brain. There's an early koan that some people work with that says, take a five-story pagoda out of a teapot. You know, as you would. So the teacher asks you, please take a five-story pagoda out of the teapot. And most people go, What is that? What is the contraction that we contract from what is infinitely possible and always available? It's like we want to just be in our location, our old location of our conditioning. And to me, what's so beautiful is the grinder saying, come on, grind it up. Why do you have to have such a small life? Why not be at a feast a million miles away right now? Why not take a five-story pagoda out of a teapot? right now? Why not stop the fighting across the river right now? What are we waiting for? To realize that we are part of the world. That we're part of the vast universe. And to me, that's the beauty of Zazen is really understanding when we come into our hara, into the softness two inches below your belly button and take refuge there, then the whole world is possible. But when we stay in the life of our brain, so little is possible. When we think about it, Ugh, so boring. 
Why not be like the iron grinder? Even a little bit. Or total. What's so great about our little story? Our problems. Our comfortability. The world is messy. And how will we be loving and participate in it? That's what's possible. How you'll be in it. You're guaranteed mess. Life is just messy, not convenient. Filled with sorrows and joy. But how will you be in it? How do you want to participate in it? The iron grinder lets go. She asked a question, she tested her teacher, he responded, and she's like, okay. And went back to her hut to practice. What are we expecting? Expecting approval. Notice the teacher did not say, well, you're doing a very good job. <laughs> He's just totally in it with her. Loves her. Respects her. Tomorrow there is a feast a million miles away. Will you go? can't understand these things through sense. But listen with your belly to your life. If you try to think it through, you'll stay thinking your nose is yours. Buddhist nun, Rengetsu, who lived in the 17th century. She was an amazing poet and calligrapher, and potter and painter, and amazing. She dedicated her life to the Bodhisattva vow to repay her gratitude for the Buddhist teachings. And she wrote this poem on the side of a pot. How I wish to die in autumn. 
moonlight not to be lost, even in darkness. How I wish to die in autumn moonlight, not to be lost in the darkness. <laughs>